Good evening and welcome to another nightly message on faith in action. So we're carrying over our theme and topic from last week into this week because faith is such a big topic and uh, we're looking at it through uh, specifically through Hebrews chapter 11 and some of the biblical characters mentioned there. And we're specifically looking at faith in action. And so tonight is no different. Uh, but before I introduce our biblical character tonight, um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity to study your word with one another and in your midst. Would you help us to hear what you would have for us tonight through this lesson and prepare us, Lord, for the rest of the lessons coming this week. We're thankful, Lord, for how our previous lessons have challenged us and um, opened our understanding, help us learn and grow in knowledge of you and your word and your love for us and who you are, our relationship with you and our relationship with others. Help us to apply what we're hearing and help us, Lord, to uh, appreciate the opportunity to learn and grow no matter what's going on around us. You provide us with the opportunity to do that. We're thankful for that, Lord, and bless those hearing tonight in Jesus' name. So our main text is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which defines faith. And tonight, our, the character that we're going to be looking at is listed in verse 32, which I'll be reading in a moment. First, verse 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. That's going to be evident in our character's story tonight. Hebrews 11 and 32 says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon. There's our man of the hour. Barak, Simpson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Now, the lessons from last week uh, have challenged me, honestly, in a way that causes me to read this next verse in a different way than I have before. Next verse 33 says, By faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. Now when I read that by faith, faith in what? Well, from Brother Moss's Bible study, faith has to not only be in the one true God, but faith is believing in what that one true God says. And then from Sister Rachel's lesson, faith has to be in the one true God's plan. Not our plan, not a combination of my plan and God's plan, just his plan. So by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. So honestly, I'm really not that impressed. I find myself less and less impressed with the stories of these biblical characters um, 
in light of thinking about faith in that way. But I find myself being more impressed with the character of God and the God that they serve and that we serve as I learn more about him through our lessons. So tonight when I thought about how I want to um, approach the story of Gideon, Gideon's story is found in three chapters of Judges 6, 7, and 8. I want to make one assertion, and then with that assertion, remember we're talking about faith in action, so that is how I'm kind of looking at these three chapters. Um, with this one assertion, uh, I'd like to go through chapters 6, 7, and 8 and draw out a few things about the progression of faith in Gideon's story. So my assertion tonight is that Gideon begins with zero faith. Zero faith in himself and zero faith in Yahweh, that's the God he knows, in the Yahweh God, the one true God. So in chapter 6, uh, we start with this foundation of no faith. And then we find him testing faith in Yahweh, God. And as we moved into chapter 7, Gideon begins to have faith and place his faith in the one true God. And then finally in chapter 8, Gideon's faith in the one true God and his plan begins to um, become faith in himself rather than in God and God's plan. And so let's look at this progression from no faith in himself or God to testing that faith in God to putting his faith in God and his plan, to then putting his faith in himself rather than keeping it in where it should have stayed, which is in the one true God. So let's look at the story, where the story of Gideon begins. Gideon becomes Israel's judge during a time uh, when the Israelites, scripture starts off in chapter 6, says Israelites were doing evil in the sight of God. Lots of things going on there, but what I want to draw out is the Israelites had started to worship um, and share their worship um, and with the god Baal, or ba Baal, Baal, and uh, Yahweh God. And we know in scripture that the one true God does not share his glory with anybody. And so the Lord, it says, handed them over to their enemies, the Midianites. And it has been seven years by this point in uh, Gideon's lifetime. And the Midianites and the, Midian, the allies of the Midianites were not were, did not treat the Israelites well at all. They were oppressors. Um, it says they every time the mid the uh, Israelites grew crops or tried to 
raise uh, cattle and food for their people, the Midianites would come in and attack and take everything and leave them destitute and starving. And so the Israelites cry out to God and say, we want to be delivered. Uh, this is kind of an Egypt experience. We want to be delivered out of the land of Egypt. Where is our God? And so God, out of his grace and mercy, you know, God's a jealous God. He desired that his people turn back to worshiping him and only him rather than this mixture and combination of sharing his glory uh, with other gods, uh, pagan gods, idol worship in Baal. And so God's answer for to rescue Israel and deliver them is through the character of Gideon. And Gideon, um, it says the Lord sends a messenger uh, to Gideon and Gideon doesn't believe at all that this is the Lord speaking and he doesn't believe in the word that the angel is bringing uh, Gideon, which says, the Lord wants to rescue Israel from the hand of the enemies, the Midianites, and he's going to do it through you. And Gideon's just in disbelief of himself and of that this is a word from God. And uh, part of that is Gideon's disconnect from the God of his ancestors, Yahweh. Remember, their worship has been mixed with other gods at this point. And so Gideon says, well, the God of my ancestors has been absent. Where is he? There's miracle stories and victories and deliverance that they tell, but it's not something Gideon had experienced. And so he didn't believe that the Lord was truly going to do uh, what this, this messenger had been sent to tell him. And so the messenger says, well, God is with you. That's what is making the difference, is that God will be present with you, and he is going to deliver Israel from the hand of your enemy through you. And so then Gideon says, well, how can I be this person who's going to rescue Israel? Uh, my clan is the weakest, he says, and I'm the least in my entire family. Perhaps he was the youngest brother. And the Lord replies, I will be with you. The Lord says this several times to Gideon throughout Gideon's story. And so Gideon says, okay, so now we're moving from zero faith in God or himself to do what God is calling him to do. Um, God even calls him, you're a man of valor because I will be present with you. And I read this, and I remember I heard a minister say one time uh, that he didn't like to be introduced as a great man of God. Rather, he was a man of a great God. And I thought, that's exactly what Gideon is. Gideon was just a man. He, Gideon's story is that he was as afraid as anybody else was um, of the Midianites. He hid. He did successfully thresh wheat, it says, um, and grow a crop 
secretly in you know hiding in the hills and in caves as many of the Israelites did trying to produce food for their people because the enemies kept destroying it all and taking it and um, so Gideon's just like any other man around him in his town at this point and God calls him a man of valor but remember it's not really who Gideon is it's who Gideon is with God present with him. And so now Gideon says to the messenger of the Lord, um, if you're really calling me to do this, if God's really going to do this, then I want to know this is really God speaking to me. And here's the first of the tests of faith uh, that, that Gideon um test God with. And he says, I'm going to go home, I'm going to make an offering, and I'm going to come back and give it to you. And if you're still here, I know the Lord is speaking to me, and that he really wants me to do this. And so he goes home, he creates, uh, makes the food. Um, and he comes back. Uh, it said that they were under under a tree, I believe he comes back to the same spot. And um, the angel of the Lord is still there. The messenger of the Lord is still there. And Gideon is shocked, but says, all right, I believe. I believe that uh, this is the Lord speaking to me. And that evening, Gideon does what the uh, angel of the Lord asked him to do, which is, first and foremost, God was going to rescue Israel by uh, destroying the idol worship that was going on. Um, God does not share his glory with anybody. And so the first thing he did was have Gideon um, under the cover of night because Gideon was fearful. But again, the presence of the Lord was with him. And that is how God's will was being fulfilled um, in this story. And even in the face of fear, God's will was playing out through Gideon's obedience and Gideon destroys the uh, idol of Baal. And in the morning time, the townspeople find that, this, that Baal has been destroyed. And uh, they recognize that um, Gideon has heard from the Lord. And so now God is preparing Gideon to... Um, deliver Israel from the Midianites through battle and with his armies. But Gideon asked God to prove himself again. And this is the famous story that we all know that Gideon says to God, I'm going to put out a fleece and in the morning, a wool fleece, and in the morning, I want the fleece to be wet with dew and the ground around it to be dry. And then I will know that you are truly God and Yahweh God and that you are going to do what you are telling me you're going to do. So God does it for him. And Gideon says, all right, God, don't, don't get mad, don't get mad. But now I want to see the wool dry and or the wool wet and the, the ground dry around it. And... So God does the reverse uh, for him, and he fulfills um, Gideon's request. 
And so those are the three instances in chapter 6 that we see Gideon testing his faith in God to make sure it is truly God who is um, speaking to him and truly God who is going to use him as he says he will. So by chapter 7, we do see a little difference in Gideon's faith. And Gideon's faith has now uh, been placed in the one true Yahweh God. And so God begins to um, now turn it around and he's going to test Gideon by dwindling down Gideon's armies in preparation for battle against the enemies, the Midianites. And uh, this is where we see Gideon stay committed to the plan of God, even though it looks impossible. And this is why I said that by chapter 7, Gideon's faith has been placed where it needs to be, which is in God and in his plan, because Gideon just watches God dwindle down his army. And he didn't flee. Now he was still scared, it said. God still needed to reassure him and affirm him. Um, and he does that. Uh, first, God dwindles down his armies and he tells Gideon, I'm going to, I, I want the glory here. I'm not sharing my glory with Baal. He's not going to share it with an idol. And God's not going to share his glory with his own creation. And so he said, I want Israel to know that their God is the one who is delivering them and rescuing them. Not you, Gideon, not another God, me, Yahweh God. And so God's plan is to do this when, uh, to do this through dwindling down these armies into an impossible number. First, it's 10,000. Then he dwindles it all the way down to 300 men. And uh, to reassure Gideon, he tells Gideon, if you're still afraid that you are, this is, that I'm not going to bring the victory, you need to go listen to the dream that our enemy camp had, and you will hear that you are truly going to be victorious through me. And uh, so Gideon does that. Again, he could have fled. He could have tried to rebuild the armies. He could have questioned God. But instead, Gideon does obey and do what God told him to do. And um, God brings the victory for uh, Gideon's armies, even though they were only 300 in size. So by the time we get to chapter 8, we see one more shift in Gideon's faith. And so chapter six, we see Gideon's faith go from zero zilch in God and God's plan that he had revealed to him and even in himself in his ability to fulfill God's plan um, to Gideon's testing his faith in God and God proving himself so that in chapter seven, we see Gideon has placed his faith where it rightly should be in the one true God and in his plan that God promised uh, Gideon he was going to deliver Israel and answer their cry for deliverance from their enemy, the Midianites, and all the oppression. 
that God was going to do this through the one man Gideon and in an impossible way through a 300 men army. And so by the time we get to chapter eight, Gideon is tooting the horn of the Lord pretty loudly because God successfully delivered Israel from the hands of their enemy. And so God wanted to prove faithful to Gideon so that Gideon would place his faith where it rightly belongs in God and God alone. And that Israel would then follow suit. And I want to skip down to verses 22 and read from there. And this is a shift, an unfortunate shift that we see in Gideon's faith and how Israel, God's people, follow uh, suit with Gideon, unfortunately, uh, rather than placing their faith back in the one true God, uh, the Israelites look to a man. So it says in verse 22, Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Be our ruler. You and your son and your grandson will be our rulers, for you have rescued us from Midian. But Gideon replied, and his reply sounds perfect, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. However, I do have one request, and here's his downfall. That each of you give me an earring from the plunder you collected from your fallen enemies. The enemies being the Ishmaelites, all wore gold earrings. Gladly, they replied, and they spread out a cloak, and each one threw in a gold earring that had gathered from the plunder. The weight of gold earrings was 43 pounds, not including the royal ornaments and pendants, the purple clothing worn by the king of Midians, or the chains around the neck of the camels. Gideon made a sacred ephod from the gold and put it in Orpha, his hometown. But soon all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it, and it became a trap for Gideon and his family. So unfortunately, we're seeing Gideon, not only Gideon, but the Israelites slip back into the idol worship, or the mixture of worship at least, um, as they, where they were in the beginning of Gideon's story, right back where they were. Verse 28 says, that is the story of how the people of Israel defeated Midian, which never recovered. Now, God was faithful. He said the Midianites would not rule over the uh, Israelites any longer, and that remained true. Throughout the rest of Gideon's lifetime, about 40 years, there was peace in the land. Again, God was faithful to his word. Verse 33 says, as soon as Gideon died, the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping the images of Baal, making Baal Bareth their God. They forgot the Lord their God, who had rescued them from all their enemies surrounding them. Nor did they show any loyalty to the family of Jerubbaal, that is Gideon. Gideon had another name in the story, despite all the good he had done for Israel. And so what I think that we can take away from Gideon's story tonight in our faith and action is that sweet spot, chapter 7, where we saw Gideon partner with God and place his faith where it rightly belonged in the one true God, in what God said, and in God's plan. And we can do the same thing. Uh, I know that we can learn from the ups and downs of Gideon's story and from the other stories that we've heard. 
But I think our takeaway for tonight is um, that partnering with God and God is faithful to us. And if we're faithful to him, we will also, uh, what the scripture says is receive what God has promised. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. And we look forward to meeting again with you for another nightly message.